If you are a biathlete or a cross-country skier, you know firsthand the importance of good ski preparation. Today on Heartbeat, we will take you behind the scenes at one of biathlon's most prestigious venues, Antholz, Italy. As the U.S. biathlon team's general manager and head serviceman, Federico Fontana, known as Fede, gives us an inside tour of the wax cabins on race day. In his seven years with U.S. Biathlon, Fede has become not only a legendary serviceman, but a friendly face to everyone on the tour. Just hours before the start of the men's sprint in Antholz, Fede takes us inside the main work cabin as his team of technicians prepare dozens of skis for testing and racing. It's an insightful look into how U.S. Biathlon supports its athletes, from Fede, who has helped to make his northern Italian village of Frontesoro famous as the home of five World Cup service technicians. It's just a few hours to race time, so let's join Fede Fontana in the U.S. Biathlon Wax Cabin in Antholz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. We have a really special treat today. We are behind the scenes at the IBU World Cup in Anholz, one of the most beautiful venues that we see on the World Cup tour. With us today is Federico Fontana. He is the general manager for the U.S. Biathlon national team and also head of the uh, service group. And we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're going to be going behind the scenes. And it is a beautiful day. We're on. The, uh, we're recording on the day of the men's sprint, about three hours before the competition. Beautiful day, beautiful venue. Everybody loves coming to Italy, Fede. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Tom, here with us in Antols. Antols is uh, for all the teams and the biathlon circus one of the most beautiful venue, probably the most beautiful venue, I must say. The surrounding is spectacular. The Alps, the mountain are gorgeous here, and uh, this season we have uh, probably the first. Uh, week where we can feel the winter. So far, we have been struggling a lot with snow in a lot of venues, despite the other organizing committee. They, they did a awesome job uh, being able to hold the race, but here, finally, we have the winter. You know, there's a lot of magic that goes into a place like this, and I know the scenic beauty is something that all of us can see when we watch the live stream and look at the photos, but one of the things that has really struck me here in Antholz is the heritage, the history of this event. You go into the competition building, and there's a listing of all of the podium finishers going back, I think, 45 years. This really is one of Biathlon's most legendary venues, isn't it? Yes, you're right. Uh, Antholz has a long and big, big history in biathlon. Is one of the, uh, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that is one of the oldest venue. And you can feel the history here, like not from the past to the modern days, you can feel that biathlon lives here. So it's for the athletes, for uh, the staff and technician is something magic. And the spectators are fantastic. You know, ski testing out there, the spectator they come here early in the morning, even if the race are in the afternoon, and they cheer at the technician. So it gives you really uh, a fantastic feeling. They cheer the technicians, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true. You know, like they're really fantastic. The spectator, you know, like they come here to celebrate biathlon as a sport, and. Uh, because biathlon is a celebration, so it's a beautiful sport and you feel that the fans are into it. 
Let's go back just a couple of years. Susan Dunkley with a silver medal in the world championships here. I saw her name up in the building yesterday. Uh, that must have been a really momentous day to, to, I mean, it's always good to win a medal at a big event, but when you win it at one of the sport's most prestigious venues, it's very special. Yeah, this is uh, something very special. Uh, I've been working with Susan for her entire career, basically, in, uh, in biathlon. I followed her and it was Susan Dunkley, ski technician. The medal in Oakfieldsen was, let's say, the start of, of a path. And, but here, when we came to Antols, I really wanted to win a medal. I'm Italian and to win a medal in Italy for me was still like something that was missing in my palmares. And uh, yeah, in the sprint, we knew that the sprint normally was not the idea race for Susan, but the day when she cleaned prone and standing and she left in first position, I started, you know, like, wow, to get excited and all the people were coming to me, other technicians on the track. Hey, congrats, congrats, congrats. Hey, guys, there's still half of the field out there. Please don't say anything. And when she crossed the finish line in second place, I was, I had a breakdown, like I was crying was kind of like the crown. Finally, we got the crown. I got the, the pleasure to win a medal in Italy, supported from a fantastic team, the technician we did for uh, the athletes there, an amazing job. And this was really like the cherry on the cake. And I honestly, I felt proud of what we did. And uh, it was simply amazing. And right now, when I walk through the tunnel, to go to the finish line or the other start, I, I can feel again the memories in my brain. And I, I think I still feel kind kind of emotional still, even if three years are behind. So, but a fantastic feeling. As a technician, where do you watch the competition? I mean, your, your job is mainly done when you hand the skis off to the athlete, but where do you watch uh, out on the course? So we, the coaches, uh, we have like the course map, and in the evening before the race, during the team briefing, we have a staff briefing and the coaches distribute the technician and the staff on the ground on the strategical place. So every technician gets a split time or, uh, to take care of. So we try to distribute a staff member all over the course. Of course, we are a small team. We cannot count on 30 uh, staff members on the ground. So you can imagine it's different to compared to a Norwegian team, but we try to support the athletes basically every kilometers or every 500 meters. There's a staff member uh, cheering for the athletes, giving them split time. So the job of the service guy is not done when we bring the skis to the start. We have to get ready, put on warm clothing as fast as you can and run with spare poles and spare skis on track. So this is the job is not done until the athletes cross the finish line, basically. In the second half of our podcast, we're going to actually go into the working wax cabinet to see your team at work. How many do you have on your team here, Fede, working with you in service and support of athletes? Officially, uh, we work with the four ski technician, but uh, when we hire physiotherapists or uh, other, other staff, important is for us that we have people that have a little bit of a cross-country background, people that can actually ski. So uh, it's very important for us to have, for example, the physiotherapist or our sport director, Lowell, uh, skiing in skis, you know, before we get to test the skis. So 
skiing in the skis is basically we give out to coaches or physiotherapists a few pairs of skis and we tell them, okay, ski with those pairs, with these four pairs or six pairs, four kilometers each, just to get, you know, to see the dirt collection from the snow and to start, you know, to, to see how the ski preparation will develop during the ski testing. Uh, four ski technician, but on the, on the track during the ski testing, we can be also eight people. And right now, we're about three and a half hours out from the start of the men's uh, sprint. What would be going on with your team right now? Are they out on snow testing skis yet? They are getting ready to go out ski testing. We start the ski test uh, around three hours, two and a half hours before the start. The first thing that we do when we arrive at the at the venue in the, in the morning, we go to measure the snow temperature, the snow humidity, and from there... We know the range of skis that we want to test and what kind of uh, waxes, what kind of end structure we need to test just to have, you know, like a, a startup. And then we move to the waxing cabin and uh, we start the preparation of the test skis and to scrape and to open uh, the race skis that we want to test for the athletes and all these kind of things. So this process is about one and a half, two hours it takes because we have to scrape a lot of skis to prepare a lot of ski tests with the different wax combination, the different hand structure. And then we start the test on snow, like I said, two and a half, three hours before the start. Yeah, there's a lot going on in there. We're going to hop into the wax cabin in just a minute, but let's take a look at your own personal background, Fede. Uh, you grew up in a little town in uh, the mountains, not necessarily a, no a well-known ski town, but tell us about your life growing up in the mountains and how you got into sport. Yeah, I come from a very little town uh, in Italy, still north, uh, northern Italy, but not Alps. It's the Apennines. A lot of people know the Apennines. It's the second biggest uh, mountain chain in Italy. Frasinoro is the name of my town. Frasinoro is a yeah, mountain town, like you said. We are 1,200 uh, meter high. So the winter, when we had normal winters, we had a lot of snow. And the only possibility we had to do sport in winter was cross-country skiing. We have a big tradition in cross-country skiing in my town, in Frasinoro. I was, of course, active as a cross-country skier. But what is kind of special in uh, in Frasinoro is that some, we call it like ski technician town and uh, a lot of people ask me hey why so many of you from Frasinoro are in in the work of a high level ski technician because now we are like five ski technician in the in this World Cup biathlon circuit and we are from Frasinoro so it's a it's a big tradition in town so what is funny but also cool is that we are celebrate as like the athletes, you know. We don't have at the moment athletes racing in World Cup. We had in the past. And now when we go home after Olympic game, you know, like the town, they organize events for us. And uh, there's also at the town entrance, there is a, a big banner with uh, our photo uh, from the five active technician and our pioneer. So for me, it was always inspiring to be there because I was looking at the, our pioneers, ski technician, and I always said, one day I want to be there. I want to prepare medal skis. I want to be the guy that prepared the skis for the athletes to succeed. And this was always, for me, really my, my biggest goal. 
And you also started a summer biathlon event in uh, Frazanoro. Yeah, we, this was like a funny thing because with a couple of friends, we, there's a group, they are traveling around to watch the Biathlon World Cup and they got really fascinated from Biathlon. And one evening, I remember we were at the bar with two of my best friends and they were like, hey, what do you think? Should we organize something in summer, an invitational race? I said, yes, we do it because we used to have one of the first cross-country sprint event was uh, in, memory, in memory of our biggest athletes in town, Tonino Biondini. They took part to three or four Olympic Games, and then he passed uh, and, uh, in eight, 1982. And since then, they started to organize an invitational cross-country sprint. And uh, if I'm right, was probably one of the first sprint ever. And happened in Frasinoro. So we said we were able to do it 30 years ago or whatever, and let's do a biathlon event. So we transformed the town in a, a biathlon track, shooting range and everything. And it was pretty, pretty cool. And now the town, we made a little bit uh, of request and uh, they built a roller ski track and uh, soon will come a shooting range with uh, six lanes. So because Frasinoro is a typically cross-country town, but the biathlon, because of us, the technician from Frasinoro, biathlon is getting more and more interesting. So we would love to have at some point a biathlete from Frasinoro. So we, now we are lucky because the administration supported our ideas and now we have a roller ski track and soon a small shooting range where the kids can try biathlon. Just talking to Lowell Bailey last night, he was uh, there for, I think, the first event that you did. And yeah. He said, yeah, it was a great competition, but it really was a spectacular festival. Yes, it was a, a festival of sport. You know, I remember a thousand people were there in the evening and was quite cool and fun because the, the athletes, you know, in the summer was early June. So there was not such a huge training stress there. So the people were more relaxed and you could see the athletes, you know, uh, sharing a talk with normal fans and normal people. And this it was really, really cool. So it's a very nice event. And I hope that soon, now that we have the track, we can bring it back. Cool. Well, if you're a biathlon fan, keep your eyes open because this is one you want to hit uh, in Frazanoro, Italy. J just quickly, help us understand where Frazanoro uh, is uh, in relationship to some other cities that we know. So uh, Frasinoro is, uh, like I said, is a small town in the province of Modena. And uh, you drive to Modena on the, on the Brenner Highway, and then you have to climb with the car for uh, 65 kilometers uh, in small roads, and then you arrive is a plateau. There we have a very good cross-country center. It's 1,400 meters high. Is a little bit in the middle of nowhere. So I always say Modena when someone asks me where I'm from, because if I say Frasinoro, not many people know it, other than in the biathlon or in the cross-country circuit, because they know that a lot of technician, uh, technicians come from there. But yeah, it's, it's very small, so but a nice place. <laughs> now, you've been with the U.S. biathlon team for, I think, about seven years now. You were yeah. just uh, promoted to the general manager of the national team. What was your pathway before the U.S. team? So I was early in the uh, 2000, I was coaching uh, the ski club in my town and then I moved up to the regional team uh, as a ski technician and assisting a little bit the coach. For example, one of my ski technicians, Giovanni Ferrari, was one of my athletes at that time. 
And after that, you know, in 2011, I got a call from uh, an Italian ski technician that was just hired from the Polish biathlon team. And uh, he asked me if I was interested. And this was for me, you know, the call that I was waiting since long time because I wasn't already in talk with the, the cross country national team in Italy, but the call was, was not coming. And when uh, Bruno, this guy called me, I said, yes, I don't need to think about, I'm in. And this was like, yeah, let's say a dream came true. And uh, I stayed with the Polish team since 2014 after the uh, Sochi Olympic game. And then, uh, yeah, there was, I kind of had the feeling that I needed some new goals, some new motivation. And uh, I remember Armin Aukenthaler, our head coach, was working at that time for, for Switzerland. And he called me, asking me if I was interested on going to, uh, to work for Switzerland. He, he wanted me with him. Unfortunately, it didn't work. They, did a, they chose for another, another guy. So I was kind of in a situation where, well, I don't have a, a contract right now. And uh, Bernd Eisenbickler uh, was hiring. And he did contact me to check a little bit the situation. But also, he gave the job to another guy. So I was a little bit on the... On the, on the fence, and uh, a good friend of my, mine uh, was a British biathlete, Steve, uh, Lee Steve Jackson, called me and he said, hey, I'm going to have my last career next year. I really want to have a, a technician with me, and what do you think? And uh, I would love you to be with me. And so I said, you know what, I do that. Uh, so I agreed on waxing for him, for uh, Great Britain. And this was uh, for one season. But already during the summer and uh, early fall, Bernd Eisenbickler called me again, asking how was the situation. And he said to me, I still remember. And he said, uh, it's not for now, but I might have the job for you next year. Uh, so we started the talk, a lot of meeting. He explained a little bit how the team was working and uh, what would have been my, my role in the team. And I said, yeah, let's keep talking. And uh, during the World Championship in Contiolacti, the, the next winter, we, we were both ready. We sat at the table and I signed the contract for US team. And it's been some good years. Yeah, it was fantastic. Band was really an inspiration for me. And uh, I am very thankful for what he did for me because, you know, I was still a young guy coming from four years of experience in World Cup and he gave me the, the duty of in charge of the waxing, so the waxing side of the ski, so powders and waxes and everything. And for, it was really a big task for me there, but he gave me, he trusted me and uh, he gave me also the possibility to grow step by step, you know, in the team. And that's why I'm very thankful for what Bernd and the entire team did for me and to be where I am right now. So I really had the possibility to grow in my position and uh, my position uh, itself growed a lot in the years and uh, the feeling was amazing. We had great results and uh, Tim Lowell, Susan, Claire Egan, uh, all these athletes were like, they were very good years, I must say. And now we go to, uh, we are in the middle of the next Olympic quad and uh, it's nice to see that some new faces are coming in the team, young athletes. This brings a lot of motivation in the work. 
Well, I know, uh, Fede, that the athletes are very happy that you and Bernd made that decision back a few years ago. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a minute. But before we do, give give the listeners an idea of where we are in the stadium right now. We're down in the bowels in these, tr- in these little uh, containers. Uh, where are we in the venue? Yeah, so we are in the team service area here in Antols. So basically behind the stadium. The, for the 2020 World Championship, they, they build a huge concrete building and in there they placed all the container. Uh, those containers are ISO container basically uh, and they are used for waxing cabin for the team that don't own a wax truck and for changing room. So it's a place where we spend a lot of hours. A few step walk, you you enter the the stadium building where the office are, and there starts all the labyrinths of tunnel. Every tunnel, one tunnel goes to the shooting range, one tunnel goes to the start area, one tunnel goes to the to the finish area, and then you walk up a few stairs, and you are in this beautiful stadium with the with a big big stand and uh, the mountain as a background. It is an amazing place, folks. And we're going to head now into the wax room. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, Fede to give us a little tour of the wax room, introduce us to some of his team members who are going to be frantically working to get ready for the competition. You're listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. I'm Tom Kelly, your host. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with more from Fede in the USA Wax Cabin at Antholtz. As the official higher education partner of U.S. Biathlon, Paul Smith's college takes pride in the programs it has established to offer athletes a college education and sports-specific training, all nestled in New York's Adirondacks. From an outstanding trail network to its eight-point biathlon range, Paul Smith's college is a great environment for athletes who want a small college located in a sports-centric region. Paul Smith's College is also playing a major role in this month's World University Games as the Athlete Village for Biathlon and Nordic Athletes. To learn more, go to paulsmithsbobcats.com. That's paulsmithsbobcats.com. Now let's head back to Heartbeat as Federico Fontana takes us inside the USA Wax Cabin at Antholtz. And welcome back to Heartbeat. We're with uh, Federico Fontana, the general manager of the U.S. Biathlon National Team. We are in the wax cabin right now, and the team is rapidly preparing skis. You're going to hear a lot of noise in the background. Uh, Fetty, give us a little uh, introduction to where we are and what's going on here now, just a little over three hours before the men's sprint begins. Yeah, welcome in the waxing cabin. Here is the one of those containers that uh, I mentioned uh, before. Here is where we have all the uh, equipment for uh, preparing the skis, all the skis, and uh, all what we need for uh, for working, basically. We have skis for 10 athletes in here. Every athlete every athlete has uh, his set fleet of skis. We have in between 15 and 20 pairs of skis per athlete, so you can, we have 10 athletes now, so you, you can calculate a little bit how many pairs of race keys we have in here, plus a lot of sets of test keys, the one we use for testing the waxes, the hand structure, and uh, all the ski preparation that we need. You know, one of the things that struck me in the different rooms that we've been in, 
how neat and orderly everything is. I mean, we've got racks of skis. Everything is very well organized along the sides. Very small space, but very efficient. I mean, how do you, and, and you're in different cabins. You don't travel yeah. around with this. You're in different cabins every week. How do you come in and organize this? Yeah, this is a little bit like, uh, uh, you have to be very organized because if you are like uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of team, they own a walk track. Uh, which is basically a work, a mobile workshop where you have everything in there. But we, for now, we don't own a walk truck. Is my dream and the dream of our guys. But <laughs> hopefully, at one day we will get one. Just a quick the shout out to any yeah. any donors that are out there that want to talk about helping U.S. Biathlon invest in a wax truck. Let us know, right, Fede? Right, absolutely. Because basically what you see now, and uh, I appreciate that you say that uh, is everything very well organized, but it really has to be and is something that we really care of, like to be organized every place in the boxing cabin uh, has to be prepared because we, every week we have to build up the boxing cabin and every Sunday after the last race, we have to pack everything. And then the next morning, uh, most of the time early morning we travel to the next venue and when you arrive at the new venue you need to be ready and prepared to build up so you need to find everything right away to be able uh, to start testing skis in the afternoon so give us a little idea on what the team you have three technicians working here going ski by ski uh scraping the skis grinding them down a little bit tell us what's going on in here yeah so on this table, we have two working stations. We have the working station where Luca Tomasi is working, is uh, taking over a little bit the waxing side, uh, and is preparing the, the test keys with all the waxes. Uh, I work at the table with Luca, and then we have the second working station where we have Maximilian Bergman and Giovanni Ferrari. Uh, Maximilian is in charge mostly of uh, athlete skis, so now he's scraping the skis that we want to test today for uh, the men's sprint. And here we have Giovanni Ferrari, he's our uh, responsible of grinding and end structure. For the people that doesn't know what a hand structure is, we have uh, an exclusive uh, machine that we use to apply on the ski some, some manual grind that we take off after the race and Giovanni is leading this, this project. Uh, this hand structure machine is exclusive property of US Biathlon. We have a, a guy, an Austrian guy that is working with us since, I think, almost over 10 years, producing these, uh, these tools. Like I said, exclusive for us. So this machine is produced is one piece and uh, no other team has this kind of machine. They have for sure other commercial machine or also some custom made machine, but uh, not the one that US Biathlon has. And this is the results of many, many years of testing and uh, development and is one of the projects that we are mostly proud of. If you're a cross-country skier, you have some familiarity with base preparation, waxing, and getting your skis ready to perform. But the science involved here, and as you said, Fede, that research, that data that you've collected over the years, and the science that you put into it, really is something that gives the, the athletes something special under their feet for racing. Yes, we, for, uh, you know, like I said before, there are the, these big teams like Norway, Sweden, Germany, uh, we are compared to them 
a small team, but this doesn't mean that we have uh, worse skis. And uh, this is like really the result of hard work because the, how we work is basically the same that the German team or a, or a Norwegian team works. Uh, mostly is Giovanni and me. Uh, Giovanni is also full-time employed. And uh, after the season, for example, uh, we take a couple of weeks where we take time for our families and to rest. But the work for the next season starts already in April. Right away in April, testing the skis, the, the race skis from the athletes, right away in April. And after that, we start the ski selection uh, process. The ski selection process means uh, many trips to the ski factory, talking with the race department, uh, exchanging feedbacks, and then we start to pick the new skis for the next season. So it's basically the ski preparation. Probably a lot of people think that it's just a winter business, but if you want to succeed, if you want to give to the athletes the best skis, is all, all year round work because you you cannot stop you know and this involves many things one of these is for example the relationship that we have with the with the ski companies and i must say we are very well respected the u.s biathlon team is very well respected from every ski brand uh, and this gives us an advantage because we can work directly with the with the company with the engineer we bring them feedback on base, on construction, and then uh, most of the time they they help us out. So it's always like a working together, a cooperation. You know, if I look around the room, and you mentioned this earlier, that athletes might have 15 to 20 different pairs of skis. Let's take Paul Schomer starting this afternoon in the men's sprint. How many skis will he have, or between the, the technician team and Paul, how many different skis will he look at before you guys make a decision on that pair he's going to use in the sprint? Yeah, so for Paul, we have uh, 24 pairs of race skis. Today, uh, Max uh, is uh, his technician and he's taking out eight pairs of skis. These eight pairs of skis are, include the grinds and the construction and the base that fits the kind of snow we have. Today we have a snow that is minus 11 degrees Celsius. So probably uh, Max picked out the skis that he knows because Max is a Paul Schommer technician. Uh, he knows the skis very well, uh, Paul's skis and uh, is now scraping them and these eight pairs they will be tested. We have a pre-test, so we start with eight pairs. It will be Max and another technician to cut down a few pairs, so like a quarter-final, semi-final and final system. The final will be the best two pairs of the day and uh, Max and the same, uh, the other technician with the athletes, they will go out for a race loop with the two best skis and there, you know, you exchange the opinion in between the technician and the athletes and you pick the race ski for the day. You know, I'm interested in the data that you collect. I know Giovanni right now is looking at an old notebook and writing some new notes down, but you keep track of all of these little details so you can refer back to them in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So as you see now, we use a, on the ground or a field a notebook to write. Uh, if write all the tests, this is, uh, is preparing the skis for the hand structure and he's writing down the different combination, the different roles he want to test. But then uh, at the end of the, the day, we put everything on a, on a sheet, on a digital file so that we can 
go through if needed and then especially at the end of the season we make for every part you know for the end structure for the waxes we go through and then we see what was the trend of the season and this is important to see you know where we need to improve where we are already good at so and this is is a big help well, it's just fascinating to look around. We're going to wrap it up here pretty quick, but just kind of in closing, before we get to our final section, and we'll step out of the wax cabin for that. But you just looking around at your team, you have a close camaraderie. Many of you have grown up in the same place in Frasinoro. Uh, but talk a little bit about the pride that you have uh, this afternoon when you watch the guys go out in the uh, in the sprint race. The pride that you have as technicians to know that you've given them some rocket ships under their feet. Yeah, this is for sure what we have, what we want every day to have the best keys out there but uh, we also have to to know that everything is working professionally and everybody wants the to have the best keys out there my opinion you know when you have com the competitive skis that are you know competitive compared to the other teams you can win a race and then the day that we really have the the best skis out there even better so for us when you see that the skis are working, the athletes performing well because of the skis, here for sure, for a ski technician, a huge proud, because as you see, the work in here, the, the work that is done in this boxing cabin, in this container is a lot. Uh, just a quick example, we are testing around 24, 30 wax, uh, waxes combination. With Giovanni, we test normally probably around 24 pairs of skis for hand structure. And these 24 pairs of skis translated in combination is 120, over 120 uh, combinations. So this gives you an idea of how much we, we ski, you know, like uh, me, for example, is around 30K minimum every day. Sometimes you go for 40 uh, because we want to bring the best skis to the start. Well, it's been great to be in the wax room. Guys, thanks a lot for your patience and letting us be in your... Well, Fede, that, that was a fantastic tour of the wax room. There's just so much going on in there and uh, uh, really appreciate I know the athletes appreciate all that you do. We're going to wrap it up with our uh, final segment that we call On Target. Just a few what I hope are really simple questions uh, for you. First of all, and we've talked a little bit about memories, but can you share with us maybe a favorite biathlon memory that you have just thinking back through time? Well, there are a few of them. Uh, I said before, Susan Dunkley's medal is uh, in Antols was for me probably the highlight because, like I said, an Italian winning with his athletes a medal on your home ground is something fantastic. At the same level of this uh, memory, I would put the gold medal from Lowell Bailey in Ockfieldsen. I remember, you know, the last shooting I was out there with uh, one of the other technicians and Lowell came to the last shooting and the coaches, you know, normally communicate on the radio if it's a hit or if it's a miss. I listened to the first shot, hit, and then I said, I cannot listen anymore. I turned off the radio, closed my eyes, turned on the other direction. And yeah, 15 seconds later, Hansi, the technician, jumped on my back and say, he cleaned, he cleaned, he cleaned. And then, yeah, the last stretch from the last downhill from the top of the mountain, where the last split is in Oakfields and to the finish, he came up there. He was pretty much done, the guy who he gave it up. He gave it all. And he finished after the last downhill, he crossed the finish line with 
he was like uh, plus zero nine. He had uh, he was there, you know, and he crossed the finish line with minus three seconds, if I remember well. And there was like, yes, the skis gave us the gold medal today. <laughs> awesome story. And we have little Billy in the wax cabin with us, and he's smiling over there as he recalls that story too. Uh, let's go back to when you were a young boy going up in Frazanoro. Yeah. Uh, did you have a sport hero back when you were young? Yeah, my sport hero, I was a cross-country skier and my sport hero uh, was Bjorn Daly. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty common because almost everyone. Uh, and together with him, for sure, my favorite one was uh, Pietro Piller Cotter, the Italian cross-country skier, which is a good friend of mine right now. But these were the two idols I had. You are Italian, and with that comes great food, great wine. What's your favorite Italian dinner? Favorite Italian dinner? Who? I like to eat good food. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say pasta bolognese from mom. This is the best. Always best from mom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I want to ask you about a goal that you have this summer, which is probably going to influence how much pasta bolognese that you can have. But you have a big goal for this summer, and we're going to put it out there to the public now. Okay. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people know that uh, I moved to uh, Ruppolding six years ago, mostly because of uh, the work. But my home in the heart, home is Frasinoro. And uh, I did set a big goal for myself. I, I love road biking. Is my best escape when I need uh, some some time for myself, and uh, I decided to bike from Ruppolding, Sigsdorf, where I live, to Frasinoro. So it's a big challenge uh, because I want to do it in one piece without sleeping in a hotel halfway through. I just want to go. If I feel tired, just sleep a couple of hours on a bench somewhere, and the ride is around 570 kilometers. What's the biggest climb on that route? So the, you have the Brenner Pass, but this comes right at the beginning. So after three hours riding and then uh, crossing down to Garda Lake is pretty, pretty much flat or rolling parts. And then you have like the last part from the bottom of the valley that head to Frasinoro. You have 25 kilometers uh, with a 6-7% gradient average. So this is like a, a strong final part of, a sta of the stage. Well, we'll be following it. It's Tour de Fede, and that's going to happen sometime this summer. We'll watch that. Um, what's, the, what's your favorite tool of your trade? Is there a favorite tool that you have in the wax cabin that uh, you know, is really kind of your bread and butter, your really your most important tool you use? Well, I'm, I'm pretty picky with the brushes and the scraper. So for me, a goal is to have always a sharp scraper and I get crazy if the scraper is not sharp. So the scraper is our working tools, the one we use the most, and I wanted to have it sh always sharp and clean. Is the scraper metal or plastic? We use a plastic as a polyethylene. And how do you sharpen it? We have a, it's a machine from a wax company. It's like a, with a, it's a cutter basically, it's an electric one. And you sharpen it and it makes it really, really smooth and nice and sharp. Cool. <laughs> Last question I ask of all of the guests we have on Heartbeat. Your favorite biathlon venue? Antols. Well, it's easy. It's easy, it's right? it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Antols is, is no doubt the best one. 
Fede, we've enjoyed having you on Heartbeat. Thank you so much for taking the time with you and your team to let us in the wax cabin and all the best to you in the race this afternoon, onto the World Championships and the rest of the season. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Nice to have you here. I hope that uh, I was able to give to the people that are watch, uh, listening from far away a little bit an idea or how things are and how things are running here. And keep following US Biathlon. We need your support and uh, cheer for us. Thank you, Fede. We'll be cheering for you and thanks for all you do for the athletes. Federico Fontana, general manager of the US Biathlon team, joining us on Heartbeat in Antholz. It's getting close to race time. I've always loved hanging out in wax cabins. It's really the heart and soul of ski racing, playing out as the service technicians work their magic. A big thanks to Fetty and his team for letting us inside to share that magic with you. And thanks too to Paul Smith College, the official higher education partner of US Biathlon for its support of Heartbeat. Check out more at paulsmithsbobcats.com. If you missed earlier episodes of Heartbeat this year, check out the interview with Sarah Lewis on the World University Games, as well as Matt Doherty talking about the US Biathlon partnership with Paul Smith's College. You can watch all of the World Cup action streaming live this year. Check out links at usbiathlon.org and on our social channels. Remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. And please leave us a review. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon podcast. Heartbeat.